Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now this morning, I was praying this week, and I was like, Lord, what do you want to do? It's March. It's a, it's a, new, se- it's, it's a, it's a new season almost in Stellenbosch because the students are back. Um, things are a different you experience driving through town there's a vibe in town some suddenly it every every place every every uh, restaurant every bar everything is full um and, uh, and the, the students are here and they are back and uh, i love i love that i love a student town I, I know god has called us here and um but but i was praying said lord what do you want us to do and um and God started taking me through the process of the last two years since we planted this church. And, and I was looking through things, and I remember the first sermon series we've done in this church was called Who We Are. Who We Are. Who is KLC Stellenbosch? And, it, and I started reading through the stuff that I said and reading through our values again, and I thought, I want to do that. I think it's been two years since we planted a church, and there's been so many new people in our church that they don't really know what our values are and who we are and what we stand for and what our foundations as a church is. In the next <laughs> five to six weeks, I want to look at exactly that. And it's a series called, whoa, sorry. It's a series called DNA. DNA, who we are as KLC Stellenbosch. Now, the great thing about the network and the KLC or the, the Kingdom Light network is you won't go to KLC Strand and hear the same values. There's some broader values that we all stand for. But when we plant churches, we said, go and walk the streets of that town. Go and listen to what God's telling you for your town, and then listen to what God wants to do, and then write values as a church for that town. So you'll hear over, overarching that, that we believe in light, we believe in God, we believe in the supernatural, we believe in a, a life but you'll see different values here than, than in Strand. Why? Because we believe that this is what God has called us for this town, for Stellenbosch. Now, it's great sitting in church and doing worship, but we need to understand who we are and what we're following. Am I right? You need to understand who we are and what we're following and with who you're building community with. Now, I remember when we planted this church in May 2019, I started with this service, and my first sermon, I, 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 I still know, Neil, Stephen, some of you guys were here in that first sermon, and, and I preached a sermon called, Everything Starts With Faith. Everything in life starts with faith, and, and it was our first starting, and I remember that service so well. It was 50 people, a lot of friends from all over town, and God started doing something incredible that day. And yes, the 50 went to 8 and to 6 and some days to 3. <laughs> we had church with 3 people. But God is growing the community, not to have a big church, to reach our town, to have an impact in people's lives. To have a big church is our last goal, but to have an impact in people's lives is our first. Loving God, loving people. Now, since then, we've jumped out of the boat and we started something that we didn't know how we're going to do this. And, and we are so incredibly, incredibly thankful for God's goodness in our church. Now, our series name is DNA. And DNA means the following. It is a chemical in our body 
that carries genetic information. We all know what DNA is, but what is the scientific purpose of DNA? It's a chemical in our body. And a DNA has the, in, has the instructions, sorry, our DNA has the instructions that a living organism needs to grow, to reproduce, and to function. It's an enzyme that connects to cells, and, and who we are is all in our DNA, packed into our DNA. Now, when we decided to plant this church, the, after serving a, a, a different church network for over 20 years, over 20 years, I've been, me and Salome has been part of a different church network. They're also in town. And, and God took us through a process of saying, I want you to step out and trust me. I want you to climb out of this boat. And then we didn't climb out. We, we jumped out. <laughs> Not because we had to, because we want to be obedient to God's call. And I remember I sat one morning and I said, okay, Lord, we're climbing out, we're getting out, we're planting something new. But before I do this, I need you to speak to me, to show me what we, what we need to do in this town. What is your plan, God? Because I've got a lot of plans. And the scripture says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but God's purpose stays. That's Proverbs. And I said, Lord, I want your purpose. I want your plan. I want, I want what you want, God. Otherwise, I'm going to do something that that is going to be from me, but I want you to speak to me. Now remember, I was sitting one morning in the Word, and God gave me a scripture that today forms the core of who we are as a church. And I want to share that with you today. That's our vision and our values, and, it, and this was the scripture. John 1, verse 4 to 5, and I'm going to read it from the New King James Version as God gave it to me, but I also want to give it to you out of the New Living. But it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. It was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And I sat with that scripture, and I sat with it, and I read it, and I knew when I read it, something leaped in my spirit. Something leaped in my inside that I know this is what God wants us to do in Stelis. Now look at the New Living Translation. He says, the word, or the word he's speaking about Jesus, our Savior, he says, the Word gave life to everything that was created. And His life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. It's such a powerful scripture. You see, out of this, three, out of this scripture and the rest of the book of John, if you go to John 8, John 9, John 12, you'll see how Paul, or the writer of John, how John, how Jesus actually say it again and again and he rephrases the light that shines into the darkness and the one the word the true word the, the, our savior bring life into the picture now out of this book god gave me three pillars me and salome three pillars that 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 is part of our church and out of that three pillars six values has flowed of who we feel that this church is at and what we want to see now, the great thing is, Salome said to me, you're looking through the values, but do you know that there's some of those values we're still not doing? Actually, that's great. That's awesome. But that is our aim. And as we grow as a church, God is adding to that. Now, the values is as follows. The Scripture says, the Word God, Jesus, gave life. He gave life. He was life. In Him was life. And Jesus gave life to everything. 
on earth. But then he says, in his light, and sorry, and his light shines in the darkness. See, his life brought light to everyone on earth. His life came and it shined the light in our lives. And then he says, sorry, sorry, let me just rephrase. He said, the light shines in the darkness. Now, when light penetrates darkness, what, is, what happens? It ignites something. There's an ignition of, suddenly I can see. There's an ignition of, of vision of what I couldn't see, now I can. There's an igniting of understanding when the light shines. See, when, I, when we in, in darkness, in pitch darkness, I don't know if we, we played a game called Donker Kamerke when we were young. Do you remember that? Come on, if you're my age, and probably kids still playing it today, but when we got hurt, I fell off the roof. I mean, it's hectic stuff. Eyes were cut open. We, <laughs> we were serious with Donker Kamerke. But when that, light shine, when that light switch off, you cannot see anything. I mean, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. But when you're in a dark place, you can't see anything until the light is switched on. And suddenly you can see. Although it's just a little of a light, you can still see. Because that's how light penetrates the darkness. There is an ignition of something that there wasn't before. Now our three pillars, like you see all around our banners, life, light, ignite. Leve, lich. Ignite. I don't know what ignite is in Afrikaans. If you have a good word, please let me know. <laughs> but ignite says what I wanted to say. And that's why we have our banners up here, so that we'll see our values in our church. Now, it's the following. Three things. Life, light, ignite. Three pillars. And out of the three pillars flows values. And out of the pillar of life is to activate and to bring. Now, what does that mean? It means to activate our God-given identity and authority to impact society. We feel that there needs to be an activation. I'm going to say more about that today. And then to bring transformation based on two things, grace and love. Whose grace and love? His grace and love. God's grace and love. And that's why we want to have community projects. That's why we started Waymakers, and I'll say more about Waymakers next week. It's a ministry where we where we make sure that we care for our environment. Not our environment, our society, our generation, our down and out. That's why we go to the shelter and give food. And I want you guys to become involved in this value of us. That's life. Then light. Two values that flows from our pillar light is empower and build. To empower and build. What does that mean? It says, to empower the saints to reach the lost with the gospel of Christ, isn't that what we all need to do? When you are saved, when you are filled up with Christ, what do you do? You speak about it. You tell others about the good news that you've received. But then sometimes you need to take risk to reach people around you. And we're going to speak about that. And then number two is to build a compassion culture. Waymakers again. To build a compassion culture that touches a town, that touches the nation, that touches the world. When Jesus did a miracle, what happened in front of that? Just before that, he had compassion on them and he healed them. The whole ministry of Jesus was built around a, a, a culture of compassion for others. There's a culture of compassion that we, needed, we need as a church. 
We want to have compassion on our generation and on, on, on our town. Then the third one, ignite. And that two values is worship and equip. What does the two values mean? It says to ignite change in the atmosphere of Salamos through worship. As we were praying through this value, let me just pause there. One morning, um, God woke Salome up and he said the following to her. He said, change the atmosphere of Salamos through worship. And she wrote that down and went back to sleep and she started praying through that. And when she said it to me, I, f- I felt like that's definitely one of our values. That is who we are. See, we dream of starting a worship school in town, training up young people in the next generation to go with worship as a tool to touch the generation, but not just that, to shift the atmosphere around us. Sometimes you can walk into church and you can be down and out, you can feel burdened by the week. As soon as we're in worship, your spirit lifts. Why? Because worship changes the atmosphere. And then number two is to equip others to grow where? Grow what? In their relationship with God. But not just grow in their relationship with God. Disciple others and then start to minister as they grow. God has called each and every one of us to be ministers. To speak about the Word. To speak. I mean, if you minister to your cat, you minister. But God has called you to minister. It's like hearing a great joke. What do you want to do after you heard the joke? You want to tell it to someone. Because you want to see their expression and laughter when you tell the joke. That's exactly what we We need to equip the believers to reach others, to disciple them, to speak into their lives. If I didn't have people speaking into my life, helping me grow in my relationship with God, I would be exactly where I was 20 years ago. And that's why we need to equip to grow and to disciple. Now this morning, I want to look at our first pillar, but I want to look at the first value. And we're going to take five or six weeks to speak through our values. And maybe some of you are like, ah, six weeks long. I, I, I promise you it's going to bless you. It's going to bless you, and I pray that God ignites something in your heart when you sit in church and when you're part of this family that you know exactly what we stand for. That we can keep each other accountable and say, this is a value in our church. It's like Niels that said, Henny, I've got a passion for the down and out. Let's start something. And that's how Waymakers was, was, was birthed in our church. A ministry that, that reaches out to the down and out, who, saw, who, who helps families in need, who helps. I mean, I can go on and, and I'll get there. But that's how when we start speaking about our values, we start living the values. Amen? Now today I want to speak about activate. Activate. And it's a great word. I just love the word activate. To activate something. The definition for activate is to make something active or operative. And a different definition is to switch something on. To switch on. Now, activating something means that the thing you're activating already has all the attributes it needs to operate. It just needed to be switched on. So when I go and I buy a new Land Rover or a new whatever car and I go and sit in the car, do I say, car start? With, with probably new, new cars you do, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's bad, 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 bad illustration. <laughs> you don't do that. Well, maybe in a new one, yeah, new cars. But you need to switch the car on for it to work. 
if you just sit in a car, it's not going to help you. It's not going to be effective. Yes, you're going to have a car. You're going to sit in it. But as soon as you switch that car on, you realize it has got all the attributes it needs to drive, to go over stuff. Under, I mean, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It has got all the attributes it is. But if you don't switch that thing on, you're going to have nothing. You're going to have a car, but you, it's not going to be effective. It's not going to do what it was supposed to do. And I believe that God needs to sometimes activate something in our hearts as believers to start functioning the way God wants us to function in this life. Not just be church going, Christians, hallelujah, go home, do your... No, no, but to change the world around you every day of your life, there needs to be something that activates in your life. See, I believe that we are all born with a godly DNA in your life. There's a godly DNA. It's not just, I'm a loser and then... I, I, I grow a bit and I become a non-loser and then I become... No, no. You are born with a DNA that is godly. That is more than a conqueror. You just need to switch on that thing so that all the attributes that you know that God gave you can start functioning. I always say that when people are born again, they are like a baby with an AK-47. They don't know how this thing works, but they've got the power. They've got authority. Because when you're born again, you are born again into that, that calling that God has given you. You just need to grow and being be discipled how to use this thing. It's maybe not a, not a good, good uh, um, illustration. <laughs> no, it literally means that we are born again with all the attributes we need to live a spirit-filled life as sons of God. How? To imitate Jesus. Because that's why we're on earth. We need to imitate Jesus. That's why Jesus said in John 14, He said, those who believe in me will do the same things I have done, but He will do greater things. Why? Because we have the attributes of, a God, of God. We have the DNA of a Savior who came and gave us everything. You see, that's why we can walk in, a, in, 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 in an abundant life as spiritual believers. But then people come to me and say, Henny, but why don't we see more power in the life of believers? If we have these attributes and we are born again, why don't we see more of God? Why don't we see more of what Jesus done on earth? Why don't we see the greater things? We hear about it, but we don't see it. I don't, maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm looking too deep. But I'm not seeing it as I want to. I believe there's a moment in our lives when something is switched on. When something is activated through my life into another life. There's something that activates in my life. I remember when I went to church as a student, I remember in that first service I sat there and there was worship. God touched me to, to such an amazing degree. Something was activated in my life. But then the activation and the switch on continued as I said, sat in the cell group where, where men looked at me and, and helped me to grow in my relationship with God. They started challenging me in my decisions and my integrity in who I am, my decision making. But see, it started with an activation of God. Now, a great example of this is what happened to Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle. Now, remember our value. Our value said to activate society, to activate people, 
to find their God-given identity and their authority to change the generation around them. Now, Paul is a great example of this, or Saul. You see, Saul was killing, sorry, Saul was killing people around him. He was killing Christians, Jesus believers. But he was a passionate man. That's why he did it. He was so passionate that he was training to become one of the greatest Pharisees in Jerusalem at that time. He was one of the top pupils. He was trained by Galil, which was the, the top Pharisee in, Je- in Jerusalem. Um, I mean, he was just in a lane of being successful. He was passionate. He was intense. And he was so passionate that he started, uh, uh, he was so passionate about the Jewish law that, uh, that he was outraged by the Jesus followers, the Jesus movement, the Christians that came and nullified the law of the Jews that switched the law to grace in a man who died on a cross that he and his Pharisees killed. He was so passionate about it that he caused a great manhunt to kill all these Christians, to kill them, literally. You see, he was killing believers left, right, and center to make sure that the Jewish law was kept pure. Now, for Saul, the law was more important than life. Think about it quickly. He was more passionate about the law than physical life. If you don't keep the law, I'll kill you. I mean, that's scary. See, he believed that the law gave him the right to take life. But then Saul walked into a defining moment, and we all know the moment. He walked into the defining moment on his way to Damascus to go and arrest all the Christians and bring them to jail in Jerusalem. And on the road there, this happened. Acts 9, verse 4 to 5, it says the following. As he was approaching Damascus on on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. At least he knew it was a Lord. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. So Saul stood up after that, becoming blind of the light, and he was obedient to the voice of Jesus that says, Go to that house. I will send a man called Ananias. He saw a vision of a man praying for him, and he received his sight again. And he was, I mean, it was such a great story. I'm I'm racing through this story. The men around him, because he wasn't traveling alone. He had some soldiers with him. They just saw this light, and they heard the voice of God, of Jesus. And they, but they couldn't see anyone. And they saw Paul lying on the floor, or on the ground, standing up blind. And they knew something happened. And they took him to that house where he said he was waiting there. And then Ananias had a moment with God, because God said, go to the man who's killing the Christians. <laughs> I want you to go and pray for him. I mean, that's quite a, a, a mission and a half. God says, go to this and that. Don't worry, he won't kill you. Thank goodness Ananias was obedient. Just think about not having Paul the apostle. He was obedient, so this happened. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me 
so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Two very important things. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. He regained his sight. You see, Saul had a defining moment on that road of, to Damascus. Defining moment. But a few very important things also happened in that moment of him meeting Jesus and meeting Ananias. And it shows us why an activation moment leading to our identity and our authority is so important. You see, encountering Jesus activated two amazing things in, in Saul's life. There was an activation. There was a switch on in his life. Listen, he was already passionate. He was already intense. He believed in God. He was just so focused on the Lord that he missed the true God. It activated his God-given identity. It activated his God-given authority that would impact the world forever. In that moment. You see, he had, he had a power encounter with Jesus, but when Ananias prayed for him, he experienced two things. He experienced a miracle. He was blind. Now he could see. And then he was filled with the Spirit and power. He was filled with the Spirit. He was filled with life that was so powerful. Now, if you go on through the book of Acts, and you go through from Acts 9, 10, 11, 12, if you come to 13, 14, there was a moment where, where Saul, the, the Bible still speaks about Saul, and him and Barnabas went out on a mission field, and they walked into this um, uh, what do you call it, this leader of a society, I can't remember the guy's name, goodness, sorry, and he walked in, but the guy was counseled by a sorcerer, and the sorcerer didn't want the, the king or the, the, the I was it, um, a burgermeister or something, he didn't want them to, him to listen to, it was, it was Simon, was it? I can't remember, but yeah, you, you're right. But anyway, he walked in, they, they didn't want um, Barnabas and Saul to preach to him. So Saul walked in, he looked at the sorcerer and said, you will become blind because you are unrighteousness. And there was, the Bible says there was a mist coming over his face and his eyes, and he immediately went blind. There was authority in Saul's life, immediately. The day after that, if you look at Acts 14, the Bible doesn't speak about Saul anymore. It spoke about Paul. There was an identity shift with an activation in his life. See, no person apart from Jesus shaped history like Paul did. Only Jesus shaped history, but apart from Jesus, Paul had the most powerful impact. More books in the Bible are written by Paul than any other. Now, the encounter, the encounter with Jesus changed his life but he never lost his intensity. The intensity just started flowing through the gospel. There was something different in his life. Now before the encounter, Saul took lives. He took lives. He killed people. Then he had an encounter and God took his life. Literally. I'm not saying he didn't die. But his life came to an end. He stopped. He was blind. He couldn't be a Pharisee anymore because he... He had a revelation of Jesus. He couldn't go back to Jerusalem because he was blind. His life stopped. His life was almost like, Lord, what do I do now? But then he received life 
through Jesus, through a miracle. The Holy was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what happened? Paul started giving life. You see, it's, a, it's, it's a quite an interesting thing. He took lives. He killed people because of the law. God came and stopped everything. He, he, he turned his life upside down. He filled him with everlasting, spirit-filled, powerful life. And then what Paul did? He started giving life. He started giving life. You see, when he found life in Jesus, true life was activated in him in that moment. True life. See, his true calling and his true purpose was switched on in that moment. Paul went from taking lives to receiving life to giving life. I love that. Isn't that what's supposed to happen in our lives? Because when we're not born again, we live our lives because we do everything to live our lives. Then God comes and He turns our life upside down. He, we receive life and then you can't help but not giving life. It is just an activation switch on moment in our lives. See, Paul's true identity was found in that moment. He found who he was. He tried to find his identity in following the law, but he only found death. He only found death. But as soon as he met Jesus, the scales of his eyes fell off. What happens when you're in a dark room and suddenly the light goes on? You start seeing. You start seeing differently. When that scales fell off Paul's eyes, he started seeing the truth. He started seeing life. Something ignited in his heart that wasn't there before. You see, God called us all to find true identity in Him. In Him. We can find identity in our money, our cars, our, our whatever material things you're looking for. You can find identity or try to find identity in it. But you will not find true identity. Go and speak to, 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 to people who has everything. And they will, quickly in a conversation, they will tell you, doesn't really give identity. Solomon, King Solomon, if you go to, to um, uh, the book of Song of Psalms, um, you will see he says, I had everything. I had everything any man could dream of. And then he turns around, but all of them are dust on the earth, according to knowing God. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's a sermon on its own. See, his focus changed from I mean, the richest man ever, in the history of this earth, King Solomon said that. And he said that the most important thing was to be in Christ. Because that was where true life was. Now our greatest challenge as believers today isn't sin, to be honest. Did you hear that? How many of us are fighting sin every day in our lives? Like, oh my goodness, oh my God, I, don't, I can't sin, I do this, there's sin in my life, I feel guilty, I felt this, I feel... But it is not our greatest challenge in life. Do you know what it is? Our greatest challenge as believers is finding and walking in our identity as Christians. Knowing who you are. Knowing who you are. We are so many times trying to find our identity in different things when it is right in front of us. Right in front of us. Now, listen to what Paul says. 
if he speaks about knowing who we are, Paul, later in Ephesians, he wrote the following. He says, For we are God's, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He created us. But look at the Amplified Version. I love this. It's a bit of a, more of a mouthful. It says, for we are his workmanship, his own master work, a work of art. The word workmanship means, in the Greek, means polyalamia. That means an artwork. We are God's artwork, created in Christ Jesus. Look at what it says. To be reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used. When you buy that new car and you turn that key, you know that that car has all the, or sell it, or push it, or whatever you do. Speak to it. When that car starts, you realize that this thing has got horsepower. It's got the attributes. So God says, I have created you to be spiritually transformed, to be ready to be used. You just need to be activated. You just need to be switched on. Every time you open the Bible, every time you pray, every time you're in a conversation with other believers, there is activation moments. Have you ever felt down and out? It's just like, oh, I just want to lie down and eat some worms. You know, just, I didn't have a good week. And then you walk into a conversation with a friend who is on fire for God. Ten minutes. Ten minutes you stand up and you feel like, man, I just feel great. I feel like I can take things on again. I've, what, what happened? There was an activation moment. There was a switch on moment in your life that go, went from I'm looking at death, now suddenly I realize I've got life. You see, this is God's plan for our lives, to be spiritually transformed, to be ready for use for what? For good works in our lives. For good works. See, when we start to really know who we are in Christ, we start to walk in authority. We do. See, Jesus was constantly speaking to his disciples about who they were. Go and read through the Gospels. We spoke about it last week and a week before with mindset, mind change, how Jesus taught his disciples to think differently. Think who you are. I've given you authority. See, he knew when he leaves, they had to stay. And if they stay, they have to know who they are and walk in the authority that Jesus has walked in. Why? Because he was about to release Something on a cross for every believer. And that means life and prosperity. And life and prosperity is walking in an authority that God has given us. Listen to this account. I love this. You find it in, in Matthew 10, but in Luke 9, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a more clearer account. It says, one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples. We all know the story. And gave them power and authority to cast out all demons, to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And I love this scripture. He gave them. They didn't work for it. They didn't earn it. They didn't ask for it. He just gave it. Why? Because our God is a God who is generous. He gives. What did he give? He gave power and authority. They didn't suddenly have muscles and biceps and abs and they were no, 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 it was different kind of power. There was spirit power. And he said, go out, cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick. And they went out 
And they came back with eyes this big and said, the demons answered. People got healed. You see, Jesus was teaching his disciples to walk in authority without him being with them. And as believers, we can't afford not to walk in our God-given authority and identity. We can't afford not to. I remember when I had this moment in my life where I realized that man, I can't be a Christian and not pray for people. And then the enemy came and said, but Henny, what happens if nothing happens and you pray and nothing happens? You, know, you'll, you look stupid. And I had struggled with that issue in my mind till I, I got more passionate about being who I need to be than what people would say. And then I started praying, and, and I mean, it's a long time. I mean, I've told, told the testimonies so many times. I walked into a rugby cell group. I was the spiritual father of a rugby corsais. 600 guys studying rugby. And at one night, I, all, I had all the first years with me, and they were about 60 to 80. I think they were closer to 80. They stayed. I spoke to them. I read out of the Bible. I prayed. And I said, whoever wants a miracle, if you are injured, stay behind. All of them stayed. I was like, mm, Lord, what has you got me into? <laughs> so I, I thought on my feet and I said, okay, ankle injuries, leg injuries, shoulders, this. And we had like four or five lines. The first guy I got to, his patella was cracked. His kneecap was cracked in training them. So I placed my hand on him and I said, Father, thank you for the authority that you've given me to heal the sick. So I command this thing to be healed. Amen. And I thought, mm. <laughs> I didn't want to open my eyes because I was like, Lord. And when I opened my eyes, the guy's eyes were this big. And he was shaking his knee like this. Absolutely, totally healed. Started running up and down around the hall that we had. And every guy is like dead quiet looking at me like this. <laughs> I said, right here, who's next? Everybody's hand went up, me, me, me. And I saw probably 70 miracles that night. Shoulder injuries, AC, torn ACs, healed. Hamstrings, tore off, healed. And then that night, God changed my perspective that who I am in Him is in somebody that walks in authority and the identity of Christ. If you believe in me, you will do as I have done and greater things you will see. Mountain biking with a friend of mine, going over a gap jump, Went, take his bike, fell on his head, dying in my arms. And as I was sitting with him, his breathing stopped. His eye was, eyes was flipped over. Foam was running out of his mouth. I thought he broke his neck. And he, I could feel him stopping breathing in my arms. <laughs> and the kids around us who were mountain bike with us, freaking out. I mean, the one guy called 911 on his phone. This is not working. And I just said, thank you, Jesus. That's all I can remember. Thank you, Jesus. Scariest five minutes of my life. And suddenly, he, he, his breathing stopped totally. And I was like praying, thank you, Jesus. And I just I didn't know what words to pick and what words to use. And suddenly, he sat up, straight up. What happened? I said, you just fell. Where? No, yeah, on the track that you built. What? Did I build a track? I thought, oh, he sounds like a guy who's concussed. Maybe he just passed out. And 
I, didn't, I was rattled. That evening, his wife came and took him. That evening, he called me at 9 o'clock. He said, Henny, dude, what did you do? What happened? I said, Franz, I don't know, man. I mean, it feels like for me you, you were dead. He said, Henny, I just uploaded my Polar onto the laptop. There was a moment of a, a minute and 30 seconds that I didn't breathe. There was no pulse. There was no nothing. I flatlined. I said, what did you do? I said, I can't remember. All I could remember is said, thank you, Jesus. You see, in moments where you realize your authority is not what you do or what you say, there's no formula that says, if I say this or this or this, people will get healed. There is authority in your life. There is identity in your life that flows from you into the natural realm and then miracles happen. But we get stuck into a place of looking at what I can do, missing the true life that is activated when we encounter Him. Now we need life to give life. Do you know that? We need life to give life. It's almost like you need money to make money. <laughs> you need to know God. We need life to give life. Now there's an awesome story I want to we'll end with today. It's, it's about a notorious hiking trail in the Nevada desert in America. It's one of the toughest hiking trails. People don't walk this thing often because it's long, it's dry, and it is far. And it's in the desert. And they say on the trail, in the middle, there's no water on this trail. It's in the desert. But there's one place where there's a, where there's a, um, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, a water, a well. There we go, a well. And the well had a pump on it. And, and on the pump, next to the pump, was a little bottle with a note in and the note said the following, and I want to read this, otherwise I'm going to get it wrong. He says, This well has been here from 1932 and is rich with water. The water needs to be pumped out of the well, but the pump needs to be primed first. It's got an old leather washer on the pump that dries out because of the heat. Now look under the white rock to your left. It is, there is buried a bottle of water out of the sun, cork up, now, in the bottle, there is enough water in it to prime the pump, but, very important, do not drink some first. Pour a half of the bottle to wet the leather, then pour the rest medium fast and pump like crazy and you'll get all the water you want. The well has never run dry, just have faith. When you get the water, when you get all the water you want, fill the bottle again and put the bottle back for the next hiker. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump and you'll have all you need. It's a great note, Desert Pete. See, we need life to have life, to give life. You need water to prime that pump to receive all the water you want. All the water you want. See, my prayer life has changed from, Lord, show me all this. Like, Lord, just give me more life. I want more of you, Father. I want more life in my life so that I can give more life to people who need life. And that's why this is a value in our lives that we activate people around us to be hungry for more of God, to know their identity. I've sat with young men and women in my life all my life. And after a conversation of an hour, I realized you don't know who you are. Because if you knew who you are in Christ, being born again for 10 years, if you know who you are, you would walk 
in power. You would walk in, in victory. Yes, you get to places where you are discouraged, where you struggle, although you have life in your life, but then you have to realign and get to that places where you are switched on again, where you are activated again for more of Him. But we need to step out into a place where we said, Lord, I want more life so that I can give more life. Now, I truly believe that God has called us to be a church where people are activated in their gift, in their callings. I truly believe that. To be switched on and to walk in authority. If you have a passion to, to be, do worship, if you have a passion to speak, if you have a passion to, to, to run community projects, <laughs> then you're in the right place. Because we believe that God has called us to be an empowering church. But being empowered means that your character needs to grow. You need to, be, you need to grow in your relationship with God. You need to be discipled. You need to open your life and be transparent for, for the Holy Spirit to come in and point some stuff out. But we need to empower more people in the kingdom. See, we can't afford to play Christian anymore. <laughs> we can't. We need to make an impact on society around us. We need to. I wrote this down. I said... And you'll see this on our website as well. And I want, to, I want to end with this. It says, as church, we believe that God called us to activate the identity and authority of God in people and bring a revival culture everywhere we set our foot. Bring a revival culture. What is a revival? A revival culture is a culture where people know who they are. They see no limitations. But they only see God who is unlimited. As a generation, we are called to build a culture on the revelation of Christ and His love for us, His grace for us, and a culture that intentionally confronts a worldly culture around us. I need to be intentional to confront a culture around me. As I said last week, you can walk into a place where the culture is not great. But we need to be intentional to walk in with a culture that is so vivid, so passionate, so unsteerklik, that we can't afford not to have more of that. So our role as a church, and I believe this is, this is why it's one of my, this was the first value I wrote down because I know that it's a calling in me and Salome's life to be activators of God. To be an activator in your life. Every time I sit in a conversation, a group, or wherever, I believe, and I, I pray, I said, Lord, help me to activate something in people's lives today that they will walk out here and be, be encouraged. That they will be better businessmen, better fathers, better mothers, better educators, whatever role you play, but that they will, you will have a longing to be better at it. And I want to pray for, for, for us this morning that, that there will be a longing in our heart to be switched on, to be activated by more of Him. Amen. Can we stand together? I want to pray with us. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.